Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you're joining online for the first time, welcome. So glad you're joining us. We've been in a series in the book of Daniel, um, going through uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be ending our Daniel series today, 12 weeks through the book of Daniel. It's been awesome. We're going to be in chapter 12 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now to Daniel chapter 12. The Bible talks about so many different things, but one of the main themes and hopes we find all throughout Scripture is purpose. Purpose. Destiny. And we are all looking or thinking about our purpose, what this life is all about. What am I supposed to be doing? What is my purpose here? We've been watching, um, what is that series, the Marvel series, Loki, our family gets together. We watch these uh, little superhero shows or whatever. And this last episode, there was all these Lokis in this, this, uh, this episode. And this, this older Loki that's around, he's, he's standing around and he's, he's wondering what his purpose is. And, and finally, at the end of this episode, he's giving his life for the cause of the change of the universe. And he's standing right before death. And he says, oh, glorious purpose. Every single one of us, as I watched him and heard that, every, there's something inside of me that was like, yes. There, there is, there's got to be a purpose. There has to be a destiny for us. More to this life than the daily grind, the nine to five. There has to be more glorious purpose. Now here's the catch. We only find our destiny or our purpose when we surrender our future to Jesus. Now, in Daniel, Daniel was at a point where his every day, even every minute, was dependent upon God. Think about this. As a young teenager, he was taken into captivity into Babylon, which was this horrific, immoral um, corrupt culture, and, and he was brainwashed, or they tried to brainwash him in this three-year school of Hogwarts with all these magicians and different, different people that were training him in the ways of the Babylonians, and he goes through that, and then he serves in the king's court. Like, he is serving in the king's court. These kings were horrific guys who like to tear people limb from limb, like to throw people into fiery furnaces, like to feed people to lions. I mean, these were terrible guys. And Daniel spent his entire life, well into his 90s we know about, serving these kings. Daniel was at a place in his life where every moment, every second, depended on a miraculous intervention of God stepping in and making a way, from him, making a way for him. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fiery furnace every second, dependent on God. Daniel, thrown into the lions, then to be fed to the lions every second, dependent on God. Daniel, when his religion was tested, when, when the king said that he couldn't practice his prayer times, that he couldn't worship God Almighty, Daniel still did it. And every second of his life depended on God's supernatural, miraculous intervention into his life to protect him and save him from these guys that he was serving. It's an amazing picture of the provision and the grace and the mercy and the power of God. There's a huge takeaway for us, a huge takeaway for us here in the book of Daniel. Now, we can watch movies, we can read books and wonder, or we can Submit, surrender, and run after. 
Jesus and find our glorious purpose, just like Daniel did. This story isn't about how great a man Daniel was, but about how great a God Daniel served. And here's here's the cool thing. We serve that same God today. The God of Daniel is our God. And he's just as powerful, just as miraculous, and just as merciful as he was for Daniel. All right, let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And and right now, Father, we surrender to you. We submit our lives to you. And um, God, I just pray that you would give me the words to share. As we read this text, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring it to life in our hearts and in our lives, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we have met with our Creator. Father, have your ways. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Daniel chapter 12, starting verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. He's talking about those who have passed away. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase." All right, we're going to stop right there. Really, what I want us to kind of wrap our minds around in this first short section in chapter 12, and it's the first fill-in in your notes. You can follow along in your program as you came in. The first fill-in is this, is that everyone will be raised up in the end. Everyone. Every single human being that's walked the face of planet Earth will be raised up to eternity. Some, it says, will be raised into life. Now this life, I was looking at what kind of this word really means, this Hebrew word for life, hey. It talks about lifetime or lifespan, or get this, the joy, joy of life. Then another word you could use in this translation is maintenance. That doesn't sound very joyful, does it? I think like maintenance, I'm thinking oil change for my car. That's not a whole lot of fun. But it actually talks about work, that as we're raised to life and we're raised to eternity, we're going to have work to do. It's, it's not, we're not going to be like these little cherubs with little harps floating around on the clouds like some people think. We're not going to be turned into angels, you know. We're not going to be that. We're going to be who we are, but in these glorious new bodies that God gives us. And we're going to have a job to do. And, and it's going to be a joyful thing that we walk in as we worship God and grow in our knowledge of Him that's totally unsearchable for all of eternity as we grow in our relationship with God. This idea of maintenance or lively, vigorous, flourishing, prosperous, reviving. It's also de- defined as the next spring, new life. What a beautiful word. So if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, that's what you have to look forward to in eternity. 
You have relationship with God. You've been forgiven, and you're going to be raised up in the end. You're going to see Jesus face to face. All the wrong things are going to be made right. All the questions that you have, even sitting here right now, about life and suffering and the difficulty and the joys and the victories and the failures, all of the questions that you have will be answered. He's going to bring it all to light. Our eyes will be opened. It's going to be amazing and glorious and awesome, and we'll be taken into paradise with our Creator God. But it also says that some will be raised up to contempt and shame. And here's, here's the reality. Eternity awaits us all. Eternity awaits us all. And there's only two options. We can go to heaven and have that perfect, amazing, beautiful paradise in connection with our Creator. We won't have to worry about temptation. Sin will be gone. It will be a paradise like you can't even imagine. And the only way, it's interesting, we think about this, the only way to get to this paradise that, that Daniel's referring to here, the only way that we can get there is, is for us to live up to God's perfect standard. It's the only way. If, if God truly is God, he's perfect, holy, set apart like no other. He knows no sin. He's never sinned, not in thought or in deed. If God is this perfect being, this deity, and his standard to be with him is perfection, and that's, that's, the, that's the standard that we have to live up to, who can live up to that? Who can do that? No one. None of us. Only God can do that. Now here's the cool thing. That's why God sent his son Jesus, who was truly God and truly man. And he lived up to God's perfect standard. That's like the, the most amazing thing, that God sets the standard, God meets the standard, and all he asks of us is to come into relationship with him, is to believe in him. And, and it's not the works that we do. It's not our, our lives, you know, lived in perfection. It's Christ's life in perfection and us putting our trust in him, believing in him. That's all that God requires to get to that perfect paradise. An amazing, amazing thing. It's just amazing. Now, I mean, you could sit here and as I'm talking about that, you could sit out there and say, well, man, I'm a good person. Isn't it good people go to heaven? I mean, that's what the world really teaches. I mean, that's what some churches teach too, right? You just check off a few boxes of do's and you avoid the boxes of don'ts and you've got these lists that are laid out. And as long as you do those things, you're good to go, right? Like as long as you get to the end of your life and the good outweighs the bad. You know, it's this, this constant measure, right? Where you're just going through life and I, I was good Monday. Oh, Tuesday was bad. I was, I was, I was good Wednesday. Good, good Thursday. Oh, but Friday, wow. You know, went to the bars, out drinking, you know. That's, that is not how we get to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. That's, that's not the requirement. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who recognize their desperate need for their creator, just like Daniel did. Daniel recognized his desperate need for his creator because he was put in a situation where it was required. 
Here's the scary thing is we're not in that situation. We live in the United States of America, man. We have freedom. We can come to church on Sunday mornings. We can go out. We've got all kinds of good things that take care of us, and we don't have a care in the world or worry in the world, right? We've got it all at our fingertips instantly. Man, but that is, that is a scary road to go down, right? To think that we don't need God as much as Daniel did, because we do. Matthew four seventeen it says, from that time, this is where Jesus began his ministry to the world, his preaching ministry. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Guess what Jesus spoke? Guess what Jesus' main message was to all of humanity? This was the beginning of his preaching. I mean, this, as I read this, I was like, oh man, i got to write this down. I'm sure it's going to be this long document of theology and doctrine that's, you know, I'm going to have to get open my Bible, you know, dictionary and understand these deep, you know, deep truths and words. Here's what Jesus' main message was for the world, me and you today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was it. That's the quote that was there. I, I was looking for, the, you know, the systematic theology, the book that's this thick, you know, and going through. No, it was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, it's, that's it. God, God says to us, look, just recognize who, what's going on. Recognize that, that sin came into the world and it's wreaked havoc on this planet. It's wreaked havoc on humanity and it's wreaking havoc in our lives even now. Repent is, is a real simple word. It actually, all it, all it means is do a 180. You were going north, just go south. You were turning right, nope, turn left. It's doing a, that's what repent means. Just do a 180. Turn from sin, turn to righteousness, turn from temptation, turn to your Savior, Jesus. Jesus came to set us free, free from the captivity to sin, free to be in relationship with him. We are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We are his. That's the glorious, amazing truth of being in relationship with God. So repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The rule and reign of Jesus is at hand. Don't miss this first point. Every single one of us will live on for all of eternity. And there's only two places we will end up. One of two places we will end up. Either in heaven or in hell. Either in relationship with God, in his presence, with glorious purpose for all of eternity, or in contempt and shame, separated from our creator for all of eternity. Your eternity is at stake. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And the only requirement for your eternity is that you would put your trust in him, turn from your sins, and give your life to Jesus. If you haven't done that, do that this morning because God loves you. And we, you, me, all of us are in desperate need for that relationship. All right, let's pick it up, verse 5. It says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? I'm asking that question still today. How long till the end, right? 
When are you coming back, Jesus? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that, would, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Now I heard, but I did not understand. And then I said, Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. All right. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to la- I had to laugh just a little bit as I read that. Because Daniel's getting all this stuff. If you can imagine like this miraculous God thing, this vision, this, you're, I mean, you're talking to archangels. You're having some pretty crazy supernatural things happen in your life. You're like, okay, I'm one of the inside guys now. Good. I'm good, right? Like this is, there was a bunch of questions. I'm talking to angels. I've got a direct line to God. And you're thinking, Dan, Daniel's like, what's up, dude? Like, I got all this stuff, but how's this all going to pan out? Like, what's going on? You know, what's going to happen to the end? <laughs> and the angel just says, basically just says, shut up, dude. Go your way. It's all shut up. Go your way. Uh, what? Think about this. Daniel, the guy who prays three times a day, he's in captivity. He's getting these visions. He survives the lion's den. I mean, he talks to angels. He has all this stuff. And God just tells him, it's not for you to know, man. So just go your way. Wouldn't you be frustrated? You're you're like, hey, I've been in Babylon for 90 years. I've been serving you faithfully for 90 years. Can't you just at least let me know what's happening? Can't you just show me a little bit of what's going on? So, I mean, no, no, it's not for you to know. Seal it up till the end. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, we're in church, we can be honest, right? Have you ever felt that way? You're like, you're living your life you're doing your best. I mean, maybe you had like six days in a row of really good living, and you're like, oh, yes. I, I am like this with Jesus right now, like this. And you go to the Lord, and you're praying, and you're like, Lord, what about this? You know, I've really struggled with this in my life. Why is this going on and everything else? And it's crickets, right? Or, or you're doing really good in your walk, and everything's going really well, and then something horrific happens. And you're like, what? What the heck? I, I mean, I, I thought we were friends. <laughs> How's this come in? How's this happen? Get this, man. This is, this is huge. Like, like real life's going to happen to us even though Jesus is in our life. Like real hard things are going to come across our plate, going to come across our path. It's not the absence of those things in Christianity. It's the presence of those things. But the more important thing is the power and the presence of God in the midst of those things with us. I read this, and and I'm like, if Daniel's not going to get to know, there's probably going to be some things we don't get to know either. Think about this, too. Daniel never got to see the fulfillment of these massive prophecies that God gave him. So you remember the, the five kingdoms that Daniel prophesied, that Babylon would be overthrown by the Medo-Persian Empire. Medo-Persian Empire would be overthrown by Greece. Greece would be overthrown by Rome. Daniel died long before Greece overthrew anything. And that fifth kingdom, nobody, we haven't seen yet. We saw the four kingdoms happen. Daniel didn't even get to see the fulfillment of most of the prophecy that God gave him. Here's my point. 
we're going to, as we study end times things and we study Christ's return and the power of God in these things, there are certain things we're just not going to be able to wrap our minds around. And you know what God says? Go your way and trust me. Go your way and just leave it to me. Trust that I am good. Trust that I am all-powerful. Trust that I am all-knowing. And trust this, that I love you. And I've got you right here in my hands. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to work my will and my way. Trust in me. Now here in this second section of the text, we get kind of a glimpse of, of what's going to happen in the end times. Something else that we really need to keep our eyes open for. It's the second filling. You notice is this is that the Antichrist is going to show his true colors. Now, you remember that phrase, time, times, and half a time? We've already talked about this, but if you missed a couple of the sermons, a time is a year, a times is two years, and half a time then would be half a year, right? So we have this three-and-a-half-year time that is half of the seven-year tribulation mark. So what's going to happen is, in the, the tribulation, there's going to be an Antichrist that rises up. And this guy's going to look like, awesome. He's going to be, everybody's going to love this guy. He's going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's going to have this, this covenant, this promise he makes to Israel, and it's going to be this great thing, and everybody's going to think this guy is awesome. But what Daniel gets here is that halfway through that seven-year period, uh, the Antichrist is going to show his true colors. So this three and a half years, Israel's going to be enjoying the benefits of this promise with this king um, that this king will make with them. Israel will be, it says, will be a land of unwalled villages, a land in which people will be with, without walls, without gates, without bars. So it's talking about this peaceful time. But the Antichrist will break that promise near the middle of that seven years. And then the king of the south and the king of the north will invade Israel. But after destroying these two armies, this Gentile king or Antichrist will move into Israel. Now get this, occupy the land and set up his political and religious headquarters right in Jerusalem, God's holy city. And he will reign in Jerusalem as king and get this, and as lowercase g, God, and will become the greatest persecutor Israel has ever known. Now wrap your mind around that one because we're all familiar with Hitler, right? the greatest persecutor of Israel, that Israel's ever known. Israel's power will be broken by this ruthless leader, this Antichrist. And then at the end of those seven years, all these things will be completed. That's what the angel says to Daniel. Now then, you know, after, after he heard that, Daniel asked that big question. He's, he wants to end. He wants to know the end, right? So he asked Gabriel, whom he said, my Lord, in our text. But that was more of like a sir. He's not saying he's God. Daniel asked, what will be the outcome of all this? He wanted to know what God's, God's plan was for Israel, for his people. Little information about Israel's blessings. Now we know that Israel is going to be blessed at the end of this, right? We know that there's going to be this amazing thing, and we're going to get real heady here, so stick with me for about three minutes, okay? The millennial reign, the thousand-year reign. Jesus is going to set up shop He's going to reign on the earth for a thousand years, right? Now, if you've been a Christian for quite some time, you've studied any type of eschatology or end time stuff, you're familiar with this thing, the millennial reign. So what is, what is this idea of millennial reign? Jesus is reigning on the earth. He set up shop, and we will reign with him, it says. 
So we're going to get into the millennial reign. In Revelation 20 is where we kind of get a glimpse of it. It says, I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast, that is the Antichrist, or its image, and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's what Daniel didn't really get to know. He wanted, he wanted to know what was in, what was going to happen. Here it is. We get to know. Now, what is the millennial reign? What's that going to look like? How does it happen? And, and what does it get? Let's get into that just a little bit. There's, there's a three different views uh, historic Christianity has, has had on the millennial reign. There's the premillennial, the amillennial. Well, let's just get into it. These three. Now, as I go through this, I just want you to know these three views are debatable. These, we call these at Mission View, we call these rib issues, not spine issues. These are things that we can disagree on and be brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's not a dividing thing. We don't know the exact details of this. But, so I'm going to give you all three. The first one is the premillennial view, and, and this is Mission View's position. Just so you know, if you're wondering, this is our position. And this position holds that the 1,000 years in Revelation should be read as an actual time designation, that is an actual 1,000 years, that when Christ returns, he will reign over an earthly kingdom that will last for a literal 1,000 years, after which the new heavens and the new earth will arrive. That will be ushered in after that millennial reign. Then we have the amillennial viewpoint in, of Revelation 20. And it, it, it goes like this. The entire period between the ascension and the return of Christ is the millennium, which means that it is much longer than an actual 1,000 years. It, mean, it believes that Christ is ruling now over a spiritual kingdom that will be immediately consummated at his return, and the new heavens and the new earth will then be set in place. That's the amillennial view. Finally, we have the postmillennial position. It agrees with the amillennial position that the millennium will take place before the return of Jesus. However, postmillennialism holds that there will be a time of widespread peace and prosperity before Christ's return that will result from the preaching of the gospel. Great numbers of people will be converted and society will be transformed and then Jesus will return. So there's, there's the kind of the three differing views on the millennial reign. And like I said, we are premillennialists here, so at Mission View. But I just wanted to give you all the viewpoints. Now, whatever view we, anyone holds, this is what we must affirm, and that is Christ is coming back. And even now, Christ is ruling over the cosmos, but Christ, Jesus, is coming back, and he's going to rule and reign, and he's going to judge the earth. He's going to come and bring righteousness. Daniel needed this hope, and we need this hope. Christ is coming. He's going to reign and bring justice, raising up those who have died to reign with him. And we have that hope. I don't know about you, but when we see the suffering, when we're at our wit's end, when we have the questions and are relentlessly searching for the answers and can't find them, we have this hope. We have this hope. We have this promise. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again for you and me. All right, let's pick it back up in verse 10. Stay awake. I know that was a lot of heady stuff, big words and everything else. 
Here we go. Verse 10. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that is desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Now remember, this is an angel saying this to Daniel. Here's what Daniel did get, you know, that the, the angel shared with him is, you will stand in your allotted place. God had a place set aside for him in the end. It was a place of honor. He was greatly loved by God, and Daniel got that promise. So God didn't leave him hanging, right? God told him that he had that promise coming too. Here's the last point. His last fill in your notes. The king is coming, people. Jesus is coming. The angel said that 1,290 days will be measured off from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished. We saw that in chapter 9, verse 27, when he said he will put an end to the sacrifice. And the abomination that causes desolation is set up. So the last half of the 70th seven, or the seven-year tribulation, a time, times, and a half a time, that three-and-a-half-year period, that is designated. So how, so there's a difference here I want to kind of point out, because you heard me say at 12, what it was, 1290 and 1335, right? There's a 30-day variance, and we see it from Revelation 2. There's 1290 here, but 1260. So here's, here's what the, that 30 year, that 30 days comes from. Now, some people, some pastors would say that the 30 days will extend beyond the end of the tribulation, allowing for the judgment of Israel and the judgment of the nations. Another possibility is that the 1290 days will begin 30 days before the middle of the 70th seven. So like the Antichrist comes in, in the middle of the 70th seven, he makes an announcement to the world that he's creating this idol of himself and all will worship him as God. You have 30 days to comply. Kind of the idea of, of what that 30 days could be. So that's, that's where I would be. I think that there's going to be some announcement the Antichrist is really going to show his true colors like we see in Daniel, and he's going to give everyone 30 days to comply to this um, worshiping of little G, God, Antichrist. Now, the cool thing here is that blessing is pronounced on one who waits for and lives to see the end of 1,335 days. Now, this is an additional 45 days beyond that 1290, right? So 45 days after the end of the tribulation, Israel's long-awaited, that's our long-awaited blessing will be realized. This marks the blessing of the millennium. That is where it happens, that 45 days after. So that's where we get the variation on the numbers and different things. Now, Daniel didn't get to live long enough to see these prophecies fulfilled. We can look back at history, like I've said, as we've gone through this. We can look back at history and see four of those kingdoms have come, come to pass. And we're waiting on the fifth kingdom. To thrive in a corrupt culture, Daniel recognized the desperation of a situation and ran after God relentlessly. He was a man captivated by his creator. He fasted, prayed, studied God's, studied God's word, and took risks and trusted God with the outcome. I want to give us a takeaway of this whole study that we've done over the book of Daniel. And here is our big takeaway, Mission View Church. We need to recognize the desperate situation we are in. We cannot continue to be fooled into thinking that we're 
just in need of God on Sunday mornings. We're just in need of God when something bad happens to us. We need to be convinced that we can't go another day without more of God. Did you hear me on that? We have to get to the point where we're convinced that we cannot go another day without more of God. I'm going to try and let that sink in for just a minute. How, do we, how can we get to a point, like Daniel was forced to see it. I mean, when you're, you're living under some type of psychopath, and, you're, and every moment of your life is dependent on God's miraculous intervention, I mean, you're just praying all the time. How can we as a people get to that point where we're recognizing, man, this world is jacked up, and the only solution for this mess is God. And you know what? I'm messed up. I mean, we, we get to the point where we just think that we're good people just plowing across this thing, thinking that God's done with us, thinking that we've achieved some type of righteousness or some type of holiness. I mean, man, we don't want to fall into that trap. That, that's, I was really excited that we were doing communion this morning because that's one of the opportunities communion allots us is that it gives us that opportunity to reflect on our lives and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's any wicked way in us. And we just let the Holy Spirit do the work that he can do in us. So I'm going to ask you, how desperate are you for more of God? How hungry are you for more of, of his revelation, for more of his truth, for more of his word, for more of his peace, for more of his power as you live out your life? How hungry, how desperate are you for more of him? I truly believe that we will see a revival when we recognize our desperation for him. That's what it's going to take. So I want to pray real quick. I have some more I want to go through, but I just want to take a moment and pause and us pray together this prayer that God would, would give us that hunger and thirst for more of him. Pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we've looked through this book of Daniel, we've seen your supernatural provision, your miraculous intervention in saving lives in a fire furnace and saving Daniel's lives from the mouths of hungry lions and, and your, your word coming to him through angels and different things. God, he, we see his desperate situation. He obviously saw his desperate situation. God, we don't want to be any different. We want to be like Daniel. We want to hunger and thirst for more of you. We, we want to recognize that there is a spiritual war going on around us, that we have an enemy. His name is Satan, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy and ruin our lives and take them, Father. So we pray that you would give us this hunger and thirst for more of you, that we wouldn't be able to be content with where we are with you, God, that we would want more and more of your truth from your word, God. Make us a passionate people about your word and your truth, that it would seep out of us onto everyone we meet. Only you can do that, Father. So we surrender it to you. We ask it from you in Jesus' name. Now here's our homework, the last, last thing I want to share with you today. Here's our homework. I know you guys love homework. It's your favorite thing. The first one is this. Pray and continue, like we just did, pray that God would create that hunger and thirst in your hearts for more of him. 
I want you, as Daniel prayed three times a day, I want that to be kind of your breath prayer. We've talked about breath prayers where they're really short and you just pray them all day. Make that your breath prayer as you go throughout um, the rest of this year. God, give me a hunger and thirst for you. That breath prayer as you're breathing it in and out, God, give me a hunger and thirst for you. God, give me a hunger and thirst for you. Two, step out in faith and serve God. Step out in faith and serve God. Get active in the church. I mean, you can come on Sunday mornings and just sit here and enjoy a church service, and that's great. But if you want something that's going to change your life, Christianity is a doing religion. It is an active thing that God has given you. If you've been here for any time, we just went through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we know for a fact that God has given you gifts, every single one of you. God has given you specific gifts, and those specific gifts are to be used in a specific place for a specific people. God has gifted you for Mission View Church, and if you are here and you call this your church home, God has given you gifts to use for this church, for his glory and his kingdom. So step out of your comfort zone, take that leap of faith, and use your gifts for him. Number three, step out in faith and share the gospel. Step out in faith and share the good news. And it's as easy as this. Tell somebody your story and ask somebody their story. Just as God gives you opportunity and you're talking with coworkers or family members or neighbors, just asking that quick question, man, tell me, what's your story? You know, what's, what's gotten you up to this point in your life? And then share your story. And all of us have that testimony of the powerful work of God that he's done in our lives through the work that Jesus did on the cross. Share the gospel. Step out in faith. I know it's it's intimidating, right? It's hard to go to somebody we don't know or know just a little bit and share that truth. It's difficult. In 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 our culture, too, which is becoming more and more corrupt as we thrive in this corrupt culture, it becomes more and more anti Christian. We have to be a bold people, like Daniel was, right? I mean, he got thrown in the lines. You're not gonna get thrown in the lines in yet right? We're not there yet. Share your faith. Step out and share your faith. All right? That's our homework. So we'll go out and do that. Why don't we go ahead and stand as we sing our closing song today?